Today, we have a wonderful guest speaker, and I've heard, um, this is Mike Tucker, and he's the director of HIV CareLink, and I've heard him speak a number of times, and every time I hear him speak, I'm deeply moved by his story and his journey and his heart and his love for Jesus and love for people. So um, I'd love to pray for Michael and um, have you guys join in with me, and then we'll let him share. Father, thank you for, so much for this man, and... Lord, I know that he has walked a journey that um, has been a really tough road, and yet he still seems to just come up breathing spiritual air and um, breathing your life into people and receiving your love in, in places that are um, deep in his heart. So I pray this morning, Lord, that we would hear your spirit through him and hear your words through him, and that he tells us some of his story and some of his journey and what his ministry is about, that we would all be blessed by that, encouraged by that, inspired by that. Um, so we want to give you this time this morning and invite your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Francis. Well, uh, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, uh, um, my name is uh, Mike Tucker, and I'm a co-founder of a ministry called HIV CareLink, and um, we're uh, a ministry here in Colorado that um, uh, works to prevent the spread of HIV and to support those who are living with HIV, and then also to help churches um, to uh, uh, respond to HIV. And um, most of our work is done by... Uh, uh, vo volunteers who give of their time. We only have two paid staff, and our job basically is to coordinate our small army of volunteers that really do all the work. Um, two of the programs that our, our volunteers uh, do is, um, one is what we call our Positive Move Project. Um, here in Colorado, we have a large number of people living with HIV, and many of them, for a number of reasons, are forced to move, um, whether they've lost their job or they're no longer well, well enough to work or um, other issues going on in their lives. And, you know, have, having to, um, to move when you have to, um, when you lose your home or you're forced to move for wh whatever reason, can be really stressful. And then you add in the fact that most of our clients don't own cars, and oftentimes when, they're, when they have to move, um, the only thing that they're able to move is what they can carry with them on a bus, which means they pretty much have to abandon everything and start over again. Um, and so what we do is we go and we rent a U-Haul, and we get a group of people from a church, and we go in and we help them move. Um, and that simple service right there helps them so much and gives them an opportunity to meet Christians who actually love people living with HIV. It's pretty awesome. Um, and from that point, um, we tend to... You know, once they realize how cool we are, um, <laughs> uh, they oftentimes will get involved in what we call our, uh, our care program. And our care program is really where we train Christian volunteers to go and be a friend with someone living with HIV and AIDS. And um, uh, most of our clients are very isolated. And for many of them, the only person they'll see in a week is um, our volunteer that comes and visits with them. So uh, those are two programs that we, we do um, here that really help us to get in, into people's lives and impact them and just love on them. Um, we do about 150 moves a year and we're always looking for new volunteers. So if any of you would like to help out with that, please help us. Um, 
Then uh, we also uh, go, go into high schools and talk to youth about HIV and AIDS. Right now, half of all new HIV infections occur between the age of 13 and 24. Half of all new infections, high school and college age. And so what we do is we go to schools and we talk about HIV and AIDS and we share our stories and um, you know, I actually, I'm rather prou proud of what we do in the schools. Um, you know, being a Christian doing HIV AIDS work, I feel it's really important that we do it better than everybody else. And, uh, um, and so we oftentimes get comments from students and teachers alike that our presentation is the best presentation they've ever heard on any topic. <laughs> I'm proud of that. Um, and if that's a sin, bummer. <laughs> well, um, Anyway, we've, uh, HIV County's been around for about 14 years. Those are just a few of, of the things that, that we are, are doing. Um, but really our goal is to uh, just love people who are living with HIV or are, or are at risk for HIV and AIDS and just to surprise them with how much we love them as Christians. Um, you know, right, right now there are uh, about 33 million people living with HIV and AIDS. Um, I'm one of them. I am a minister, I'm a husband, I'm a father, and I'm a person living with AIDS. And I know anytime I mention the fact that I have HIV and AIDS, I do feel it's important that I share how HIV is spread. I don't want anyone to freak out. So um, real quick, uh, I mean, most of you know this stuff, but I just want to make sure. Um, uh, real quick, there are only four fluids that can transmit HIV, blood, seminal fluid, vaginal fluid, and breast milk. That's it. Those are the only four fluids that can transmit HIV. And in order for someone to get infected, those fluids need access to someone's bloodstream. And that usually happens during sex or sharing a, uh, 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 sharing a needle with someone. Um, neither of those things are going to happen this morning, so you're okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I do have a, li a little bit of a cold, and I don't want to share cold germs either, so I have my hand sanitizer, so you can feel free to shake my hand and not worry about getting that either. So, um, uh, yeah, um, you know, HIV is not spread through handshakes, hugs, tears, coughing, crying, drinking out of the same glass, using the same bathroom. That is not how HIV is spread. Um, quite honestly, people that, have, that are healthy and have good immune systems are more dangerous to someone living with HIV because the infections that they can fight off easily, someone with HIV cannot. Um, and that really is kind of how it works. So, well, um, you know, I have to hear someone living with HIV. You know, when we started uh, HIV care like 14 years ago, um, the church's response to HIV was not the best. Um, and, uh, and, I'm thrilled that over the last 14 years I have seen the, uh, the, the church really start to step up and respond in great ways and um, it has really blessed me to, uh, to, to see that. Um, but you know, unfortunately, as the church has stepped up, we've also had some missteps. Um, you know, I keep hearing, hearing this phrase, the innocent victims of AIDS. We gotta go help the innocent victims of AIDS. You know, quite honestly, I've never met a victim of AIDS. I've met people who are living with HIV and living with AIDS. People who, like in Africa, don't have access to healthcare or to medicines. And despite everything that they're facing, they continue to live with hope. They are not victims. They are my heroes. Um, they really are the people that inspire me to keep doing what I do. And then, you know, to use the word uh, innocent, 
So does that mean that since I'm not an innocent, that um, I deserve it? We have to be careful with how we talk and what, what, and what we say. Many people living with HIV have been really wounded, and uh, we want them to know how much we love them. We want them to know how much God loves them. That's why Christ died, was to encounter us right where we are. So we need to be careful with what we say. Well, you know, um, in 2006, uh, there, there was a poll done by uh, 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 Compassion International, and they did this poll, and they found that, um, that most, most people here in the U.S. felt that people that had HIV, um, they had a difficult time feeling sympathy for them because they felt that, that they had HIV as a result of their choices. And in fact, only 8% 8, 8 of, of people here in America were engaged in the HIV-AIDS issue. Um, and surprisingly, when they polled Christians and non-Christians alike, it was 8% um, applied to Christians and non-Christians. Christians didn't look any different than the rest of the world. Only 8% of us were involved in HIV-AIDS work in some way. Only 8%. Well, you know, my personal passion is HIV and AIDS because I live with it. Um, but, you know, the, the reality is we all have, have difficult things in our lives. We all have our own passions. And, you know, if we as a church can really step into the whole AIDS issue, quite honestly, we would be equipped to minister to just about anyone because dealing with AIDS involves so many difficult issues and difficult things for us uh, to, to talk about as Christians. You know, um, right now there are about 33 million people living with HIV. Um, just this last year, there were roughly about 3 million people lost their fight with AIDS, and roughly about, oh no, I'm sorry, about 3 million people who were infected with HIV, and um, about 2 million people who lost their fight with AIDS just this last year. And in fact, in all the time that we have known about HIV and AIDS, more people have died as a result of AIDS than all the people who have died in all the wars of the last century. That is a lot of people. And so, what is the foundation for our work in one of the biggest health crises our world has ever faced? Well, I think it is love. You know, in uh, Matthew 5, for, Matthew 5 uh, chapter 5, verse 48, it says, You, therefore, must be perfect, growing into complete maturity of godliness and mind and character, having reached the proper height of virtue and, and, uh, and integrity, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. You know, and I used to always think that being perfect meant that I had to never, ever sin. But, you know, as I have studied Scripture more, I think it actually looks a little bit differently. Um, 1 John 4, it says, He who does not love has not become acquainted with God, for God is love. And then he continues in verse 18, he says, And we know, understand, recognize, and are conscious of by observation and by experience, and believe the, and believe the, uh, uh, the love of God, the love that God cherishes for us. God is love, and he who dwells and continues in love dwells and continues in God, and God dwells and continues in him. So maybe if we're perfect like our Heavenly Father is perfect, maybe it is as simple as we love like He loves. Because if we love God truly, are we going to sin against Him? If we love our neighbor as God loves our neighbor, 
are we going to sin against them? And if we love ourselves, we're going to sin against ourselves. So maybe perfection really is just love. Well, um, uh, I'm going to be uh, teaching on uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 21. Um, it is a prayer that I just love. Um, verse 16 reads, May he grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit, himself indwelling your innermost being and personality. Um, you know, for, uh, for many of us who um, are at risk for HIV or living with HIV, we have wrestled with a lot of things. Um, uh, we have struggled with being addicts, um, with sexual brokenness in our lives, with uh, um, fear, shame, envy, basic sin, <laughs> which quite honestly is probably most of us. Um, you know, we all sin, we just sin differently. And, you know, as, as I have, have wrestled with, uh, with, with my own personal demons, I guess. Um, you know, I have had uh, all kinds of sexual confusion in my life and addictions and, um, you know, I got married and my wife lives, at some, lives as someone at risk for, for, uh, for uh, contracting HIV, um, my own shame, all of those issues. Um, I... I've really needed to experience God's love and God's strength. And there have been times in my journey when I have really just wanted to give up. Um, but you know, uh, for each of us, life is hard. We go through illnesses, we go through struggles, we go through dark times, and we just want to give up. And during one of those, those dark times in my life, um, th th there's a scripture that, that God uh, brought, brought to me. And it reads, uh, the... Uh, the, the Lord God is my strength, my personal bravery, and my invincible army. He makes my feet like hinds feet and will make me to walk, not to stand still in terror, but to walk and make spiritual progress upon my high places of trouble, suffering, um, or, or suffering. You know, and I remember when I was going through that really difficult time reading that and saying, okay, it isn't that I'm going to make myself walk. God is going to make my feet walk. Um, and he's there for me. And, you know, I think oftentimes we, we, uh, we tend to think that, well, if I'm going to be brave and courageous, I shouldn't be feeling fear. But um, I don't think that's it at all. I think, I think we feel fear and we just trust in God's goodness. And in trusting in his goodness, we have, the, we have courage and we have strength. And we're able to walk and we're able to make progress in whatever our difficult area is. Well, in, uh, um, uh, in verse 17, um, it says, May Christ, through your faith, actually dwell, settle down, abide, and make his permanent home in your hearts. You know, during um, those difficult times in our lives, we tend to wrestle with, is God really there? Is he really there for me? You know, during our seventh year of marriage, um, my wife and I had an accident, and uh, she was exposed to HIV.
And I don't really know how to, how to describe how that felt for us other than the fact that um, I can't describe it. It was awful. And I came to a point where, um, you know, during, it was, uh, we uh, knew that after a month of being exposed, after 30 days we could take a test and find out with a reasonable amount of, of, of certainty whether she had it or not. And during that month, we both just wrestled with, um, did we want to stay married? Um, I should say I probably wrestled with it more. Um, you know, my worst fear was infecting my wife. And quite honestly, I almost walked away from my marriage. And I remember just crying out to God. It was about uh, three weeks afterwards. My wife and I had gone for a walk and had just talked, and we just, we both just didn't know where to go or what to do. And we were just sitting there, not even talking anymore. And I remember um, I just, I grabbed my favorite book, the Bible, and, um, <laughs> and Hebrews 13.5, um, it says, for he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you, um, with, uh, with, leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any way leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down. Assuredly not. And I read that, I said, okay, Lord, I... I don't know what that test is going to say in a week, but you know you've gotten us this far, and so I'm just going to trust that you can continue taking care of us, because you're not going to let go of us. And about, it was a week later that we did go and test, and thankfully, my wife did not get HIV. Um, God is so good to us. You know, um, it is interesting how I have done so many things in my life to ruin my life, and God continues to hold me firmly in his grip. And I'm so grateful for that. He doesn't let go. Well, the rest of verse 17 reads, may, may you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. Rooted and founded. You know, I think many of us, though, tend to live our lives rooted and founded in our shame quite honestly. Um, our shame is that thing that blinds us to God's grace, his power at work in us to save us. You know, there, there are things to feel guilty about, and guilty is healthy and good, but shame is not. It's toxic, and uh, it blinds us to how much God loves us and his grace for us. You know, I have a, a, a friend that I have been journeying with for years now, and um, he is HIV positive. Um, as a child, he was uh, hor horribly abused. Um, his, his father would beat him and strip him naked and make him stand in front of a mirror and tell himself how worthless he was. And my friend has had drug addictions and alcoholism and so many things in his life to try and cover up the pain. And I talked to him about how much God loves him, and, you know, we've actually been able to really build a lot of trust in our friendship. Um, on th 
Three different times when I've come to visit him, he'd almost died, and it was me rushing him to the ER that kept him alive. And so I'm one of two people in the world that he actually trusts. And as a result of that, we're able to talk about God and talk about real things. And, and when we um, talk about how much God loves him, it always boils down to, well, God can't possibly love me. Why not? And his answer is always the same. Because I have AIDS. His illness is attached to his shame. And so many of us living with AIDS, our illness is attached to our shame. And it blinds us to God's grace and his love for us. That's one of the most insidious things about HIV and AIDS is that it is attached to our shame. Well, my friend and I, we continue to talk about God's grace, and I hope at some point God will encounter him and he will believe the gospel, the good news. You know, um, in, he, in Hebrews 4.16 it says, Let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners that we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good time for every need, appropriate help and well-timed help coming just when, when we need it. My other favorite book is Webster's. <laughs> and it says, mercy implies compassion that forbears punishing even when justice, uh, uh, even when justice uh, uh, demands it. And grace is unmerited divine assistance given man for his regeneration or sanctification. Unmerited. Mercy and grace, those are powerful things. We don't do anything to earn God's mercy and grace. In fact, the whole reason that Jesus came and died on the cross was to encounter us in the midst of our shame. And so why is it that in the midst of our shame we tend to run away from God? It's because our shame blinds us to his love for us. Because that's why Jesus died, is to encounter us in that dark place. Well, um, uh, continuing on in verses 18 and 19, it says that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all of the saints, God's people, the experience of that love, what is the breadth and length and height and depth of it, that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled through all your being unto the fullness of God, may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Wow. <laughs> Imagine being flooded with God's love and really just fully getting the depth of it. If I ever have to drown, that's the way I want to drown. <laughs> Flooded by God's love. Well, um, you know, there, there is a, a story that I think really illustrates God's love. Um, it's a story about, uh, and you've probably heard it, it's a story uh, about a man who was walking down the street and he was robbed and beaten and stripped. And as he lay there dying, um, a priest walked by and saw him and kept on walking. And then a uh, religious person walked by and saw him and kept on walking. 
And then a good person happened by and saw him and loved him and took care of him. You know, I think most of us, if we were asked, would say, well, yeah, I, I am that good person. Um, I, I care for other people. But you know, according to that poll I mentioned earlier, only 8% of Christians care for people living with HIV and AIDS, beaten down. You know, but the reality is we all have, have, have the ability to fail. <laughs> um, you know, there, there was um, years ago, when we first started doing uh, HIV CareLink, we had, ha had a group for people that had HIV. It was called uh, Life Embraced. And it was really a group to help people that were living with HIV learn to live. Because when you find out you have HIV, you tend to spend a lot of time getting ready to die. And um, Christ said, I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. And the trick for us as people living with HIV is learning to live life and um, giving ourselves um, the freedom to live and do what living people do. And so that's what this group was all about. And I remember um, this, this, uh, this woman came to our group. She had, been, she had just found out that she was HIV positive about two or three months earlier. And she was really in a hard place. Um, she had told some people at work and had gotten fired fr from her job because everybody was uncomfortable with it. And as a result of being fired from her job, she, she lost her housing and had to move in with her son that she did not... Well, he didn't really want her around. And, uh, and she came to our group and she was just hurting. And we just loved her. And through, through the process of being in the group, she came to know Christ as her Lord and Savior. And we got her a Bible and we just loved on her. And then one, one week she didn't come and she kind of just disappeared. Um, her phone number was, was no longer in service. Um, she moved out of her son's house, and we never knew what, what happened to her. Uh, it was about two months later that I was driving down Broadway, and um, I pulled up to an intersection, and there was someone standing on the corner with a cardboard sign, and I'm so accustomed to seeing that that I tend to not even, um, doesn't really phase me anymore, and, which I don't know if that's good or bad, but uh, anyway, something about this person's movement caught my eye. Because I pulled up to, to the light and um, I'm just sitting there and all of a sudden this person kind of seemed to kind of cower down and hide behind their sign. And usually, you know, they walk up and ask for money and they don't cower and thought, oh, that's weird. And I looked over and it was her. And I could tell she was so embarrassed and humiliated to be standing on the corner with a sign. And I didn't want to embarrass her further, and I didn't know what to do. And when the light turned green, I just drove on. I was that priest. I was that religious person. I bought into her shame and, that, and allowed that to keep me from loving her. I will never do that again. There she is, beaten down on the side of the road, buried in her own shame, and I bought into it and did not encounter her in it. And now that is really where I strive to encounter people. It's, 
if people are wrestling with porn or sex or addictions or whatever, tell me about your shame. God loves you unconditionally. I will never make that mistake again. You know that being fully filled with God's love for us and allowing him to encounter us in our own deep shame, I think gives us the capacity to really encounter other people in their shame and to not be shocked by it or uncomfortable by it or embarrassed for them by it. Because God isn't embarrassed by their shame. <laughs> That's why Jesus died, was to encounter them in that place, to encounter us in that place. Because we all have our shame, we all have our darkness. And that's where Christ wants to encounter us and fill us with his love for us and break the, sh the stronghold that shame has in our lives. We well, you know that, that woman, I, after I drove by, I was on my way to a meeting and I was just haunted by it and I, after a meeting, I drove back by that corner and she wasn't there, of course. And I really have just had to pray and say, Lord, um, I just have to trust that you are bigger than my failure. And I really don't know what's ever, what happened to her or where she's at. Um, but I do trust that there is a God that is big enough to save her in spite of me. <laughs> and I'm grateful that I don't have to play God. But it is a lesson that I learned, a very painful lesson and really God revealing his grace and his shame. I mean, in his grace in the midst of my shame and hopefully in hers. Well, um, the uh, prayer uh, 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 finishes with verses 20 and 21. It says, now to him who by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So be it. God really can do more than we could ever ask or think. He is a big God. You know, H HIV and AIDS, I've heard in churches, I've heard people uh, 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 refer to it as being kind of, someone living with, a with AIDS being kind of like a leper. Um, people are afraid to touch them, be around them. The church has ostracized them in many ways. Um, historically, the church is getting better now. Um, you know, it's interesting, you know, when, when you read in, in scripture, um, you know, as I have prayed to this prayer that we, I've been teaching on, um, for years, on some core level, I really felt that my shame somehow excluded me from being filled with God's love and really experiencing that. But it's interesting, um, if you look at how Jesus were, um, loved lepers, it's really kind of interesting. It says, um, in Matthew 8, there's a story. It says, And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Jesus touched him. He dared to touch a leper. Back then, if you touched a leper, you were considered unclean. 
no religious person touched a leper because they would be considered unclean. And how funny it is so oftentimes in our church culture we're afraid to hang around certain groups of people because maybe they'll make us unclean. <laughs> Yet um, Christ touched him. And not only was he not unclean, he, kept, he stayed clean, but his touching them removed their uncleanness, cleansed them. As Christians, we have that same power to touch other people's lives and remove their shame. It's the same thing. You know, it really, my life really could have been a very different story if some Christians had not loved me and touched me and broken into my shame. But some Christians walked alongside me. They journeyed with me. They ministered to me. And as a result of that, I've experienced God's love and his grace in my life. And now I'm in a position to be able to give that out to other people. And I know each of you have experienced God's love and grace in your lives, and you are uniquely gifted to reach out to other people. Probably in the areas where you have the most shame, you are the most uniquely gifted to reach out. Don't ever let your shame hold you back. God can use anything for his glory, and oftentimes it is the dirtiest, worst part of ourselves that he uses, because it's for his glory, not ours. Well, you know, right, right now, um, I am in the best health I've been in um, in probably 17 years. I've been HIV positive for almost 23 years now. Um, this is the fattest and healthiest I've ever been. Um, <laughs> uh, for me, this is huge, okay? Um, and, uh, um, you know, I am blessed to have a beautiful wife and two children. Um, I brought a picture of them. Um, there's, there's my family. Um, we've been married for almost 14 years now. Um, I have two kids, thanks to something called sperm washing. I feel if I say, say the word sperm, I should probably explain what that is. Um, uh, sperm washing is something where uh, um, if a mom has HIV, she can pass it on to, to her, her children. That's a possibility. And so the trick is, if, you're HIV, if the man's HIV positive and the mother is not, um, you don't want to get mom infected, duh. But uh, um, so they have this new process called sperm washing. What they do is they take my uh, swimmers and um, they, <laughs> I feel weird saying sperm in church, so we're gonna call them swimmers. Um, and they, uh, they, th they clean them up and they send them on their way and it makes it possible for me as an HIV positive man to father a child. Um, pretty amazing. And so we have two kids, and um, you know, during the first eight years of our marriage, my wife's biggest pain was really that um, we couldn't have kids. There was no such thing as sperm washing. There was no possibility for us to have kids without her being exposed to HIV, and um, that was a really huge pain of hers. Um, and so when we had our firstborn son, we named him uh, uh, Zach or uh, Zach. Uh, Zachariah, and Zachariah means God remembers, because he remembered my wife's pain, and he remembered our prayers, and he gave us a child. And um, so that's Zach, and he is turning six. Um, and I've, the other day, he was informing me about the fact that he's getting older, and he says, Dad, you know, we were watching uh, uh, veg, Veggie Tales. Do you guys know what Veggie Tales is? Yeah, he says, Dad, 
I'm old enough now, I should watch cartoons where people have arms. <laughs> like, yes, yes, you are getting older. <laughs> um, and then uh, our youngest is uh, Graydon, uh, and Graydon means son of the gray-haired man, and it really just symbolizes our hopes that I will grow old and watch my children grow up. So, you know, um, <laughs> we are incredibly blessed. God has been so, so good to us. Um, uh, tomorrow is my um, 42nd birthday. Um, I've lived for 23 years with HIV. Um, God just can, continues to be so good and so faithful. And, you know, um, uh, H HIV, uh, CareLink, who I work for and um, helped start years ago, um, we're really busy. Um, and we are meeting a lot of needs and... Um, you know, uh, when I was asked to come, come here and speak, I was really kind of um, hap happy to do that um, just because I have a lot of friends that like, go to this church and it's just been great to see people and catch up. And, um, but also, uh, I know the, uh, uh, the heart of, 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 the people, of my friends who come here and knowing their hearts, people that go to churches tend to have hearts in common. <laughs> Um, and so I just feel like I'm just among friends. And, um, you know, as I have talked about HIV and AIDS, and, you know, may, maybe God has, has, has stirred your heart a little bit that maybe you want to do something. Well, I do have three options that, of some way that you, you could get involved. Um, the first one is uh, our, uh, um, the Positive Move Project and that is where we go and help, help people move. We would do about 150 of these a year, and it is completely dependent on volunteers. Without volunteers, we cannot help someone move. And if someone calls and says, I need help moving, I'm being uh, 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 um, e evicted or whatever, if I don't have volunteers, I can't help them. And so it really is dependent on people who come and help. And so if you're interested in volunteering, it's really like about, takes about four to six hours you get some great exercise, you can meet some really colorful people, and um, it really is, is, is a neat experience. Um, and so if you're interested in that, um, there's a sign-up sheet at our booth in the back, you can sign up for that, and I would, will gladly contact you and invite you to help us out with that. Um, second, uh, we have something really fun coming up, uh, the AIDS Walk is uh, on the 14th of next month. They actually moved it to a Saturday so that Christians could participate. For years, they had it on Sundays, and I had a talk with them saying, I would love to get, get uh, churches involved in coming to this thing, but you guys do it on Sundays, and it makes it really hard for people of faith to come. And so they actually moved it to Saturday so Christians could come. And that is huge. You have people doing HIV AIDS work who tend to have struggles <laughs> with Christians in general, and they moved it for us. Um, and so uh, that is huge. And so I really am, uh, love to get churches and Christians coming to the AIDS Walk. So if you're interested in doing the AIDS Walk, um, you uh, can go online and register for it. And there's also information about it at our booth back there. Um, and then uh, fi finally, maybe one of those people that is just maxed out as far as, as your uh, time goes. Um, uh, we are a nonprofit, in fact, during the last two years, we've been incredibly nonprofit, <laughs> um, and so, <laughs> uh, so if 
if you're able to just write write a, a check and give a, a gift, that would also help us out a lot. Um, and we have a basket back that you can just throw a gift in. So um, anyway, um, I, I do know some, some of you I would love to meet and make new friends, so please come up and say hi. Um, and right now I will just uh, leave, leave, leave you with this. You know, there are 33 million people right now that are living with, with HIV. And there are a lot more people who are at risk for, for, for getting HIV. And it doesn't really matter why a person's at risk or how they, they got HIV. The thing is, God loves them. And the question is, do they know it? And how are they going to know it if we don't tell them? Amen. Thank you, Michael. It was at the cross where Jesus demonstrated his love for us and entered into our place of shame and failure and doubt and confusion. And so as we get ready to come to the table this morning, bring that place in your heart to him that his love and his grace could enter into you and give you new life. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it saying, take heat, this is my body broken for you. In the same way, he took the cup and he poured it, saying, take and drink. This is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. As you come to the table, you can take a piece of the bread and dip it in the cup. The light cups will be juice and the dark cups will be wine and the crackers are gluten-free. So come to the table. Mother uh, uh, Teresa once said, I'm a little pencil in the hand of a writing God who is sending a love letter to the world. So go and be God's love letter. Oh, and uh, Francis, of course, wants to get in the last word, so here she is. (laughs) 